Welcome to Age with Purpose podcast with Crazy T. Today I have with me a very good friend, Abladi Oladimeji. He is currently a doctoral candidate and a researcher in one of the top universities in the United States. He has worked in the telecommunications industry for eight years before starting his academic profession. He is happily married and blessed with three lovely children. Join me as I have a chat with him on his life as a clock's 40. Basically, we're going to start, first of all, by wishing you a happy birthday again, happy 40th birthday. And this is a huge landmark. You know, it's the big four. And uh, I want to believe that everyone is excited about it, just as I am excited about mine. And uh, a couple of friends are also excited, you know. So it's always like we are we are moving from... Um, some kind of youthfulness to adulthood, you know. So that's the way 40 is to me. So please, can you share how 40 is to you? What does it feel like to be 40? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a very tough one because um, I'm this kind of person with this personality that I don't always want to... Um, remind myself about my age because um you know i i have a look of somebody who is in his 20s or early 30s and when i tell people around me especially folks that i uh, i met in the u.s it's difficult for them to believe i'm 40 so age age is something that you know the society we live in we tend to make it something as eating as possible as we can and but that is for you letting people know how old you are but in my own personal reflection I think 40 is is a big one 40 is a time when um, the society we live in today people expect you to be uh, coming towards the end of your professional career you understand but unfortunately, 40 to me is the time um re-strategizing about launching a new career. Yeah. So it's 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say um I'm not excited to be 40. I am excited to be 40. But looking at the past 40 years, all what I can say is um you know, thank God for how far I've been, how far I've gone. Um, mm. you know. Uh, I let feel me, like let I'm. Me come in. Let okay. me come in. Thank yeah. you. Uh, because you said something very, very significant there by saying that uh, you know how people expect what or what expectations people have of you at forty, and compared to what you're doing right now, especially with regards to career. And I yeah. totally agree with you on that. And uh, in, I would want to ask you, why do you think there is a change now? As to because the truth is you are not the only one changing careers. A lot of yeah. us are changing careers, you know. Yeah. And um, I think, in my own opinion, it's just because of the future of work and a lot of things that are changing. It's not only climate that is changing in terms of the weather, but even the climate of career of work is changing. How do you see that? Am I right? Yeah, you're right, absolutely. But. Putting mine into a broader context, it's, um, you know, the life of an immigrant, you know, being an immigrant brings a lot of uh, 
um, um, dynamics, bring a lot of um, different context into um, what you are at 40. Like, you know, I left university in my country, Nigeria, when I was, when I was 26. That was late. That was late. When you leave in university at 26, you know, that was extremely late compared to in the US or in Canada or advanced countries where you expect to finish university at 20. So okay. just look at if I had finished school at 20 and, um, you know, that six years that I wasted between 20 and 26, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot. So when you look at me at 40 and you take six years that I wasted between 20 and 26 out of the 40, so mm-hmm. I probably would say where am I right now at the point of my life? It's somebody who is a 34-year-old in advanced countries like the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. So being an immigrant is difficult because we lived, I lived the better part of my, so, so, so let me put it in a better context. I finished university when I was 26. Yeah. I had, I had my NYC when I was 27. So I, I started working when I was 27, 28. And I did that for six, and I did that for, um, I worked until I was 35 before I left the country. So mm-hmm. I was I was I was in my late 34s. I was I, I was already 34 when I left Nigeria. So 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 I've been in the country in the US for the past six and a half years trying to change that. So mm-hmm. you know when I left university back in Nigeria, I went into a different career. I was fortunate to to work in the telecommunications industry and I worked there for like seven and a half years until so I worked between 2008 at 2015 until I left the country September of 2015. But okay. on coming to on coming to the US, I came here to do another master's degree. Then I finished that um, in my fourth year of a PhD. Now I'm repositioning myself to go fully into academia to be to become maybe a professor or a lecturer as it's as we call it back in the country. So what I would say is, yeah, climate is changing, everything is changing, the environment is changing. Also, is our life changing? We are not, we are not born to be static. You know, mm-hmm. life is all about being, you know, being mobile, changing, moving. So I think, um, yes. So no matter how old we are, even if you are 60, 65, there's still room for you to begin to start all over again. Just exactly. the way I'm starting all over again in my, in my 30s and in my 40s. Yeah. That, that's that's a very good uh, point, you know, that you rounded up that statement with, that no matter your age, you it's you should just, you know, it's never too late to start. And of course, at 40, we are still very, very young at heart, you know. It's not like we are 80 because even 70s nowadays are still even going to the university. But yes, I understand uh, um, the difference that is in, in an immigrant's life and, uh, you know, a citizen's life. And, you know, I have also uh, experienced that, which kind of sets back. We already had that setback, even right back from home, you know, in terms of um, when we finish university and when you get jam admitted, you know, it's, but thankfully to God for the younger generations, for our younger siblings, they did not really have to go through that because they are able to graduate earlier, thank God, to private universities and, you know, so which is which is um, a whole lot of improvement in the lives of um, the, the, the younger generations, which is good. But then, 
um, for us in that age that are 40, 40 now, yes, we finished. I, I exactly share your experience. I finished university at about the, that same time. And then, yes, I am just in the middle of where you are right now. But that's as good that we are so, the good thing about us people of that age brackets is that we are so strong we are resilient we are so we are tenacious we are determined to get what we are and i am i will really give that to us um thank you for sharing that experience so let's quickly go back to, a little bit to um i tried to do my life in uh, to assess my life in decades while i was you know uh clocking 40 just like you I tried to assess my life in decades, you know, just to really see how far I have come and uh, in, also in appreciation to God. So let's quickly take a look at your life in decades. Um, the zero to nine years, that's the first decade, which you may not really be able to remember so much. But as much as you can remember in the last three decades, if not the four of them, can you please share um, the significant um milestones or the things you can remember about your age, you know, about those period of your, of your life in terms of, you know, maybe education, family, childhood experiences and stuff like that. Um, so thank you. Um, yeah, I, I remember my, everything about my life, right from when I was, <laughs> right, I, so I, I have a vivid memory of my life starting from age, age five. No, starting from age, starting from age four, I remember everything That's that cool. happened when I was age four. So, um, so fortunately for me, I was born into a very comfortable home. Um, cool. my, my dad was, my dad was, um, as at the time, my dad had me and had my brothers. So my dad was comfortable. He was, he was a very top guy um, in Ibadan. He was, he was, he was, he was up there. He was. He, he, let me put it this way: He was a rich man, okay. and um, and when he was a rich man, you know, he, he he was a Muslim at that time. So, um, but because my father wanted to practice um, um, the tenets of his religion, be Muslim, he had he had three wives. Okay. So yeah, so by the time. He mar- so he had a, he had a, he had he married before he got married to my mom but before my he married my mom he lost his first wife so oh, okay. my mom never met the first wife so technically she a long time my mom yeah, my mom was the first wife so but soon after my dad had my mom and gave back to us he married somebody else they married the third person so okay. the experiences I had between four and nine was an experience of a child that was born into with a silver spoon. But soon after um, he started marrying other wives, it became a very bad story that, you know, wives had to exchange fights in the house and my dad had to take his side. And he would always take the side of the newly married woman. <laughs> the younger ex- ones. <laughs> to the younger <laughs> ones. So to the extent that... Um, they were divorced when I was only six years of age. So I left oh. my dad when I was six. So was I, uh, yeah, so I enjoyed my dad's words up to the age of six. Mm-hmm. So we were driven down to school in convoy. Oh, so. um, we, we drove, boy. 
<laughs> yeah, so we drove in Mercedes Benz. You know, my dad he was one of the earliest people with a Mercedes Benz 287 in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so we drove in Mercedes Benz right. to school. That was in Ibadan. So, yeah. you know. So your second, so that, was your, that was your first decade. Your zero to nine. Yeah, to yeah that was, yeah. So that was my, that was my first decade. But before the end of that decade, when they were separated and divorced, I had to, we had to move down to Undo, where my mom is from. Okay. And coming from that kind of environment to living with your mom, it was four of us. Yeah, and she was only the you know only the woman taking care of mm-hmm. four, mother, four, yes. four, four children, three boys and a girl. Okay. My mom, my mom was married at twenty six. She was divorced at thirty three. So she only oh. enjoyed seven years of marriage. So mm-hmm. from a boy who was driven, who was driving to school in convoy in Mercedes Benz, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. down the years, he now started walking about two three miles to school. Oh, okay. So, mm. so my my year between zero and six was in comfort. Yeah. Then my year between um, six, seven, yeah. seven to about when I left secondary school was mm-hmm. a different was a different experience. Hmm. Would you say that? So let's quickly, you know, take it from there because that's that's a that's a whole lot in that first decade. On its own, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. without even going further into the other decades yet. So, how would you say that that experience? Do you see any? Uh, how have has it shaped your life? So, in subsequent decades and up till now, especially yes. with whatever you are doing and how they have helped you to achieve your purpose, that and everything you are doing, including changing of careers. Do you think all those little experiences back then have effect? Yes, it had an, a very, very devastating effect on me, though it did not have on my brothers, but it had on me because of the kind of personality okay. that I had growing up. So when we leave, when we move with our mom through primary school, I, I started living with my mom, my mom when I was in primary one. So all from my primary one to primary six, I, I was doing fairly okay in school. I was even the top of my class. But when okay. I got to secondary school and uh, I started making friends, bad friends, so getting home, I became very difficult for my mom to handle okay. because she had to handle three boys and a girl. So out of all the four kids she had then, I was the most troublesome. She couldn't control me. She couldn't manage me because okay. I met some bad boys in secondary school. Okay. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing badly academically, but... I had influences that, you know, yeah. I wasn't answerable to my mom. Mm, stubborn. There are, yeah, I, there are times you probably will not see me at home until about nine in the evening. I, I'll be at the stadium watching ball, you know, ganging out with my friends, all those things. So the effect on that on my life was, as at the time I was writing my work in secondary school, I didn't know what my life was. I didn't know I was ready for exam. Mm. You understand? So it was difficult. And that alone affected my gaining admission to the university because I wasn't serious, because nobody could undo me. I was a person of my own. Mm. So that kind of the ability for my mom to properly manage me because I was so tough affected affected my education to the extent that by the time I was leaving secondary school at 17, 
I didn't get into university until probably when I was 21. Mm. Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because, okay. um, because, you know, she couldn't just marry me at that period of my life. So the most difficult part of my life to date was the mm. age between 17 and 21. It was, mm. it was the most terrible part of my life. It was when I, it's a period in my life when I look back, I don't want to remember. Mm. But at the same time, to God be the glory, it was a period of my life when the shame started coming into me that mm-hmm. some of my colleagues, my secondary school friends, were already in their final year in the university. So okay. it was done on me to, to take my life seriously. So okay. by the time I was going into the university at 21, I was already a matured guy. And I told myself that whatever I'm going to do in this university, it has to be a life that glorifies God. It has to be a life that was focused. It has to be a life that, you know, so I promised myself I would never make mistakes yeah. that I made something 2021. And that decision I made going to the university is the reason why I'm here today by the spirit awesome. of God. Awesome, awesome. So yeah. uh, would you say that, so at what point exactly Okay, you said yes, at 21, you gained admission into the university. So would you say that it was your, you were actually challenged by your mate's success? Was that what challenged you to have a turning point? Or would you have a pastor preach to you or something? Like, I just want to know what motivated you to have that turning point. Because Yeah, 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 definitely. Because though I was very stubborn then, but... My life at that period of time, the people who I saw as my friends were people that were in the same church, in the teenagers church. You know, I belong to a teenager. As a matter of fact, you know, most of my very closest friends were folks who were in the same teenagers church and some of my secondary school friends. So everybody who surrounded me uh, at that time had been in the university. You understand? They, they, They left for the university. People in my church that were colleagues, you know, contemporaries, the same teenagers church, they had yeah. left for the, they had left for the university. Okay. So when the shame, when the shame was much for me and I couldn't just cope any longer, I left Undo. I went to Lagos to, to live with my auntie. Okay. And it was a joint decision between me and my mom to yeah. be away from the eyes of everybody. Mm. So it was a period I moved down to Lagos. That I was with my that was in 2000 and 2000 that I moved down to Lagos. I lived with my auntie for one year and I started preparing for jam again. And so that was when, so I was somebody who was not reading when I was in secondary school. I became somebody who prepared for jam, reading an average of 16 hours a day. Mm. You that's, understand? That's good. You, you, you know, you already had it in you one way or the other. You had that yeah. spirit in you. I think, yeah. uh, in my own opinion, it wasn't, you did what an average teenage boy would do, you yeah. know? The teenage brain is such that you they want to explore every hormone in their body. They want yeah. to have all the fun and all the fantasy. It's just the way the teenage brain is built and yeah. uh, with, with, with lower sense of judgment. So by the time you were 21, that was when your uh, senses of judgment came into being or into maturity a little bit so i wouldn't say you should be so hard on yourself because 
Uh, personally, I didn't as I didn't go that way as a girl. My twin brother went that way, the way similar to yours as well, you know. And um, funny enough, also, I still graduated the same time you graduated. I finished secondary school in at sixteen, and then uh, for me, I just kept having uh, uh, a great luck with jam. So I had to do a diploma that took some years. Then to get a direct entry again, that looks like some extra years again. And so it was just long, but here we are today, and um, which really makes it uh, a good one. So uh, that's what I feel about that experience. And, you know, a teenager would just be a teenager, but you already yeah. had that excellent spirit within you. And yeah. uh, you were able to go to school, um, over Femi Aulawa University of all schools. You did very well. You graduated. Now you are, you've, you've done first degree, second degree, young third degree. So, you know, it's just always been, been in you. And I want to believe that your mom never also stopped praying. Okay. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have to bring up that point as well. Like, okay. even as at the time, I was very wayward because of the fact that my mom, I was, we were churchgoers. Like, we never stopped from going to church. Remember that my dad was a Muslim, but when we moved with our mom, the place my mom moved us to was the church. We literally lived in the church. You understand? Because the house we lived was beside our church. So every time we were always in the church. So even at the time when I said I was wayward, I never did anything extremely bad out there. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't humanize. I didn't, but the fact that you would never see me at home. I'm mm-hmm. always in the complaint of bad people, but mm-hmm. I don't do the bad stuff. So my mom's prayer, <laughs> yeah, my mom's prayer and those kind of messages we have every time in church is always like, you know, I know you, you do whatever you want to do, but don't do this stuff because, you know, the God doesn't allow them. So yeah. it was more of mom's prayer, church messages that guided me away from doing mm-hmm. those bad things. But in terms of my personality and attitude, I was a different kind of person. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your your third, I believe you might got married in your third decade. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I left. I, yeah, I left university in my twenties. Then I started working in my twenties, and uh, I married when I was. I married. Yeah, my my marriage will be ten years this year. So um, I I I married when I was thirty one. Yeah, I married when I was thirty one. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's great. So between your um, thirty one, okay, and that is just your fourth decade now, the last yeah. one. So basically, you were in school in you know your twenties and uh, trying to uh, okay, you know, find such yourself out in life. So now, um. You are married with children, and that is awesome. And you are on your third degree, trying to round it up very soon. You know, congratulations and pray for God's speed on you as you do that. Um, so now let us quickly take a look at um, um, our life and um, our purpose. Okay, uh, the, the title of this podcast is Age with Purpose. So the reason why we ask all these questions and do all this reflection is just for us to know that, uh, or it's just for us to ask and to dis- or to discover or to help people, to help our guests, you know, live with purpose. So for, for purpose, I've heard um, different guests define purpose in their own language. So 
what is purpose to you and uh, what is so finding purpose two two in one question so how would you describe the word or the term purpose it's a very popular term um yes it's it's you know yeah i would say purpose it's um what you see yourself you know what you see yourself becoming the kind of the kind of picture of your future that you see um is 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 your the mental picture of where you see yourself in the future that is that, that is to me i would say purpose it and um you know yeah i i don't want to confuse vision i don't want to confuse vision with um, with purpose but i feel like the purpose if i would define purpose in my own term and the way i live my life i think the purpose is the reason of your existence hmm. you know why, why why are you why are you in this world why are you here you know why are you here so that is the way i would define it that my purpose is the reason why i'm living is the reason why you know i'm existing is the reason why i've not been dead is the reason why i could sleep and wake up the next day so that was the way i would define purpose yeah yeah thank you for that definition it's very concise you know the reason for your existence is very concise yeah. and uh, there is this popular saying that i always use that says that you know, until you find that purpose, you are merely existing. You have not started living, you know. Yep. So which, which which was said in your definition, that's the reason why you are living. So um, this word purpose, thank you for that definition. This word purpose, so personally now, would you say you have, um, you know, discovered this purpose or is it everyone that's do you think everyone knows this purpose at different age you know brackets in life and uh, so yep yeah yeah exactly so i think we have to um for my own life i think i'm different to a lot of people i'm different in this sense that the way i define my purpose or the way I define purpose, I don't see, uh, I wouldn't say getting a good job in the U.S., making $100,000 a year, living living the American dream, living in the suburb, having riding one of the best cars is the purpose, is, the, is my own purpose. That's not my own purpose. Those are things I believe I would get to, I would get because I'm doing the right stuff, I'm doing the right thing. I'm in school. The system here compensates for uh, doing the right stuff. You know, you go to school, you get a job. So those things are, by the way, they are not the pop. They are not really what I consider as purpose. My purpose, yeah, my purpose is what, and I've discovered it is helping people to to experience joy in life. Taking off, sharing people's burden, helping people to to become better, helping people to become who God says they would be. And um, um, every day of my life, I always go out there looking out. How do I help 
how do I live the life of somebody I'm meeting better than the way I met it? Mm. And how do I influence my environment? Mm. How do I... So these are stuff that drive me every time. Like okay. a lot of times I let my stuff undone because I feel like there's a huge and a bigger burden in me to to effect, um, you know, changes in somebody's life or mm. in a particular system I found myself. So I discovered this purpose not even when I moved to the country. I've always been this kind of person, even when I was a little bit younger, even if I was not doing stuff for myself, I always found it interesting, joyful, that oh, I could put a smile on somebody else's face. Mm. So every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day of my life, it's mm. what I live for. I, I live for that, and um, I'm excited and I'm happy to God that God has always given me the chance to, to, do, to, to do that. Great. Uh, yeah, so, great. Yeah. That's, that's a great one because what that just summarizes, your, uh, your purpose is just summarized as somebody that is making impact in yep. other people's lives okay yep. and uh, it's a very huge one because um not everybody does that a lot of people are just about myself i and myself just i and myself only they are not thinking about other people so um for you and i can attest to that you know as a friend of yours i know you do that and um you know it's also very very inspiring that as an individual you can think about that without necessarily establishing a philanthropy organization or, you know, a church or a charity organization, but you make it a point of duty and you see um, it as a sense of your existence to help everyone that you come across to leave them better than they met you. And, um, you know, that's a very good one. That's, that's, as a Christian, I would say that's, that's probably, that's uh, the pure religion that the Bible admonishes us to practice, you know, helping the widows and the fatherless. That's what the Bible calls pure religion. So, you know, so whether, even if they are not widows, even if the people you are helping are not widows or they are not the fatherless, but because you are helping someone, whether it's a man or a woman or a girl or a boy, I believe you are doing the pure religion. Which is which God smiles on, and may God bless you for that. Thank you for that. So, um, finally, as we, you know, try to bring uh, this to a close, we have this. Uh, you have an opportunity to. I already established that you are a Christian. You already established that you're one, a, a practicing one that I can see. So, well, let us see. On this um, segment, it's basically for you to. Um, demonstrate one of the heroes that we have in the Bible. So I have, um, I'll just allow you to pick from three. I have three of them here, three male characters that, you know, people love their names, people love, and they will normally name their children after them. So I have Daniel, I have uh, David, and I have Solomon. So I would want you to choose one of them because you are going to be and um, putting yourself in their shoes based on this, what we know about them in Bible, what is stand out for their personality and the exploits they did. And then I would ask you questions based on that. So you have the liberty to choose who, which of them you want to role play. Um, yeah, Solomon definitely is not is not it. Is out of it. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> 
because he had a 1,000 compromise. So, um, <laughs> so, so, I know, right? But no, so Solomon is he not was the wisest man on earth. Yeah, I know. No, so I'm not the wisest man on earth as well. So, um, I would say if I have to pattern my life after somebody or if I have to stand in somebody else's shoes, it has to be David. All right. Okay. You, you just answered like uh, a friend of uh, mine, the, the previous, the last guest I had before you. And she said, oh, no. You know, the way she answered was just the way you answered. No, no, no. I don't want to be married. When I said, would you be married? She said, no, I don't want to be married. <laughs> Why are you running from the mother of Jesus? <laughs> yeah. So I really don't know what strikes my guest's mind that makes them to, you know, react like that. Well, okay. So we give it to you, um, David, right? Okay. Yes. So, so yes, I know you know a lot of David, a lot about David's life. So, uh, David is a man that, um, you know, had a lot of struggle in life, and uh, you know, running from caves to caves, you know, just to survive. So, and um, in terms of David being, you know, killing Goliath, even starting from his childhood. That was a challenge. Yep. Please, can you share with us how you, a time you rose to a challenge? Oh, so many times. Example um, one. Okay. Um, the greatest challenge that I faced in life was um, making a choice on who to marry. Okay. You know, that was that was when I had to I had to activate my uh, spirituality. That was when I had to close my eyes to making easy choices that you know you could use your common sense to make. Hmm. You know, that was when I have to doubt if God actually spoke or He didn't speak. Okay. So, and that was when I had to believe that okay. Yeah, the choice I'm making probably might not be the best choice for me at this time, but this is what God told me to go with. So, hmm. yeah, so, so it was a challenge yielding to the will of God. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Hmm. exactly. Awesome. That's great. That's a great one because as a Christian, practical, practically not just, you know, what the Bible says about Abraham. When God yeah. asks Christians to do things, when God asks a believer to do things, it may be tough. Most of the time, they are tough. Yeah. But the ability to yield to it, to do it, it could be challenging. Yes, that's a great challenge. And, and the ability to yield to it and do it anyways, just because God said it, is what yeah. makes us a true believer and a true child of God. So I can really understand when you say you rose up to the challenge. Yeah. And there uh, just for the benefit of those that are hearing us, you already said that your marriage is going to be 10 years this year. Yes. That challenge, but just for me to hear from the us's mouth, how well did it pay off, rising to it and taking, up, taking it up? Taking uh, God on his will for you, taking God on his will for you to marry who he chose, you to, chose for you to marry. Yes, um, I could see it now. You know, I'll be 10 years, but one thing I can say is God was right. 
and mm-hmm. I made the right and I made the right. I followed. Thank God I follow what he said. Yeah. You understand? Because if the reason why I'm here today, you know, you know, it's because I married right. Hmm. You know, the reason why I could still continue with the vision I have now is because I married right. Mm-hmm. Though she wasn't the best, she wasn't the best Most choice. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't the best choice using my common sense at that time. Yeah. But like I said, that was God's decision for me. I went with it and if I've never lived without God's choice for me, I think I probably would be in a different mess now. I probably... Mm-hmm will be in different stuff, doing different things, not actually in the plan and the vision of God for my life. So looking back 10 years, uh, everything I could ever ask God for in, in, in life in this past 10 years, God has given me. You know, bef- before I married, I didn't have a car. After I married, I got a car. After mm. I married, I, got, I changed a job in Nigeria. After I married, I, I you know, I started having kids. Before 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 I got married, I I was looking into getting a visa to leave the country to go study, but it never happened. After mm-hmm. I married, I got two visas to go to the US and Germany. After mm-hmm. I married, I got into so if I have to begin to count what God, how yeah. God has given me my vision, my life, my purpose in life to, to run with, together with the partner God has given me, I think it's been a perfect match all the way. And God gave me somebody who does not have the kind of personality that I have. Sure. You know, so it's it's a perfect balance. It's a good compliment. Yeah, so there are a lot of imperfections, but, you know, when you have imperfections, imperfection, it makes it so mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah that is, that, you know, we cannot underestimate the the greatness that comes with obeying God on any issue, whether it's marriage, whether it is even career, you know, uh, we cannot, we can't underestimate the rewards of that obedience to his will. Yes. And uh, for the, for, for, for the sake of someone that this will be helpful to uh, as a man that marries in the, when a man marries in the will of God, the Bible already said, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Everything he desires, God will provide. Every, every dream in his heart, God will make them come true. So getting married is, um, you know, I, I think I just, I stumbled on a video on social media. And I've heard this a couple of times, really, that men make mistakes by saying they want to get rich before they be married. They want to conquer before they get married, but that's the truth is they need to get married before they conquer. They need to find who God wants them to, because that woman is favored from God. So they need that partner, you know, before they can succeed. So that's a very good one. Congratulations again. Okay. The question number two, still on your, you know, role play of David. So now um, the story of David about, when his homeland uh, was attacked while he was out on the battle you know, on the battlefield and uh, before he came back home him and his men he had been attacked his wives and children their wives and children have been taken away yeah. okay and his uh, men were also against him you remember the story they were against him yes. you know uh-huh. yes. so uh that's part i would say that david David's ego was bruised. 
he just came back as a winner and then he's defeated again at home. Men have, uh, you know, we always say men have egos. David's ego was bruised, but, you know, the Bible didn't tell us that he reacted in any way towards his men. Rather, he went to God to pray and ask if he should pursue. You know, he, he encouraged himself in the Lord. So as a man now, has your ego ever been bruised before? And how did you take it? Um, yes, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely. <laughs> it's a difficult question because, um, like I said, my personality, I'm this kind of person that I don't always like to be shamed. You understand? I don't like, I don't like to be shamed. Shame in the sense that I don't like it when, when, um, I don't like it when people, use a force in my life to to um to laugh at me you know when you use my inadequacies to to spite to spite me okay you, know, you you bruise my ego you use my inadequacy to spite me and i experienced that at times when you know you know my inadequacies being exploited used to spite me but one thing I always used to overcome that. It's, uh, I always said to myself, yes, I might not be the best guy out there, but definitely I'm not the worst. Sure. And I always tell myself that, um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's very funny that such um, events or such occurrences might even be at home. It might not even be, at, it might not even be outside of the home. It might just even be home when your spouse tell you that shall be a man with best in here. Mm-hmm. You know, you know you made a fourth, but somebody using that mistake that you made to <laughs> compare you to to your mates. So that kind of statement, you know, affects man's ego when you are being sure. compared to your to your mates. But yes. I always reply in such circumstances that yeah, I might not be the best, but I'm not I'm never the worst. You understand? So a lot of times as men, even in the place of work at school, you know, we live in an environment when somebody will look at you and tell you you have an accent, you don't speak good English. You know, a lot of times, you know, these are microaggression. In, in sociology, we call them microaggression. And it has a way of, of uh, uh, you know, of affecting your mental health. But in, in some circumstances, even if it's at home, in the place of work, at school, in the, in the society, I always tell myself, yeah, yes, you probably might not understand my accent, but I'm not the worst of person who speaks this kind of English. And uh, as long as my grades are coming fine, I'm having my A's. <laughs> <laughs> so it's left to you, whatever you want to say. So definitely. It's your problem. <laughs> yeah. So I always, God always gave me the inner strength to exploit the my, my, my mm-hmm. strength. I have this resilience in me that no matter what you say to me, I always compare myself to the people I'm better off than. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not the worst. So that's one thing I always dwell on. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's important that as men, I'm not a man, but I'm just speaking on behalf of men that you know, men would find a positive way of um responding to their ego when it is bruised, because the a lot of issues that we have about domestic violence now can only be most of them are just traced to 
men's reaction, their outburst when their ego is burst, you know. And I really appreciate the fact that you even mentioned that it even happens in the home. It happens in the home. So, yeah, it happens between between a husband and a wife, you know. But taking it out and hitting the woman is not the right thing to do, you know. So if we say we are believers, yes, we can see it happen, you know. The life of David several times, even as a king, it happened. If This is not just the only example, but he's somebody that we can learn from in terms of how he reacted to all those differences, you know. Um, even his, his wife, the, the wife, uh, the, the daughter of Saul, still burst, yeah. burst his ego by complaining how he was praising God. And, you know, look at the answer he gave to him. So David's life is an example to all men to follow you know, including women too. So yeah, thank you for that. Finally, um, you are going to, since you chose David, David wrote a lot of Psalms. Mm. So you are going to recite a, a, a favorite Psalm, at least one Psalm to us. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I, I think I have a lot of them. I have. Um, if I you can give to... us an unpopular one, and any one different from Psalm twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to let me. I'm going to mention like five, then I'll pick one. All right. I, yeah, I like I like someone. Okay, someone. Yeah, I like. Um, I like some. I have my Bible like, here. So yeah, whichever I, one you want to recite, I'm going to look through. Yeah, I like Psalm 1. I like Psalm... Um, let me see. I like Psalm... No, I know it's Psalm 9 is popular. I like Psalm 24. Okay. I like Psalm uh, 125. Okay. I like Psalm 127. Awesome. I like Psalm 27 and I like Psalm, um, which other one? Is it 19? Yeah, oh. something like that, yeah. Okay, that's good. Let me let me clap for you. Okay? <laughs> it shows that you are a man that is reading your Bible, mm, men that are listening. Yeah. Please read yeah. your Bible. Well, I think it's not a pastor, but it's just devoted to reading his Bible. So please yeah. choose one. Um, if I have to use one to apply to my life, that guides my life, I'll I'll definitely go for someone. All right. Yeah. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the stand of the sinners or sit in the seat of the unscornful. Okay. Um, But the lights in the law of God. And okay. it shall be like a tree that is planted by the riverside that bring out its fruit in its season. Mm-hmm. That whatsoever it does prospers and its okay. leaves never withers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's more wrong today, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I think you remembered up to verse four, okay? Yeah, Which is, yeah you remember up to verse yeah. four. Just a little bit left out but we know the the we know what you are reading okay blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor sits in the seat of 
it's gone full right or stand in the way yeah. of sinners when you yeah. in the law of the Lord love, love. Love. Lord he meditates day it's and day night, and night. Yeah. yeah and the remaining part says that sinners are not like this okay That's, sinners yeah. won't have an excuse on that day of judgment okay yeah. and they won't have a place with the people of God the Lord yeah. protects everyone who follows him yeah. but the wicked yeah. follow a road that leads to destruction so thank you very much that's a very good one you know to start with that you are blessed by not being a sinner you are blessed by not sitting with the wrong people and um, your testimony from the beginning to the end has proven this because your life uh, became blessed since you made a turn around you went to school and you are blessed today so thank god for his salvation and helping you to make the right decision in life well, we have come to the end of this uh, session and it's been very good talking with you and reflecting on your life. And uh, I personally have learned lots of lessons. You know, you've inspired me and um, I believe that you would be an inspiration to everyone that will hear this. So thank you very much, uh, Mr. Boladi Oladimiji, for joining H with Purpose on Gracity Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure talking to you and everyone listening. Keep fulfilling purpose. If there's a better way to live, live with God. Age with purpose and live with God. Find your purpose because it's the reason for your existence, as you have told us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you. Till next time, I remain gracious. Age with purpose is the show. See you. Bye-bye.